Well, good morning, church family. It is great to see you. I'm encouraged by your presence, as always, as always. And I'm going to begin by making a bold statement, and that is, I would like to be blessed. I just wonder, does anyone here want to be blessed? Um, a raise of hands, maybe, if, if you'd like to be blessed. Yeah, okay, yeah, and you're thinking, yeah, that's pretty obvious, Pastor. I, I wouldn't want to be cursed, right? Well, um, I, I think you've come on a fantastic Sunday, then. Um, because today we're talking all about what it is to be blessed, which means that if you invited someone to church, you can thank me later. You know, it's not the money sermon. It's the blessed sermon, so welcome to this place, right? And you know, as we talk about blessed, I think the world we live in has certain pictures of what it is to be blessed. Uh, For example, I was thinking what social media might have under the hashtag blessed, and I found many things. Um, Found people on vacation, uh, found the birth of babies, um, found uh, weddings and found sports teams winning, uh, found one that relates to me, um, or not, I don't know, but uh, a cat sitting on your lap, that's hashtag blessed. For some of you, this is the opposite of blessed, I realize. Our world has many, many pictures. I, I consider I'm a bit of a baseball fan, was watching uh, Bryce Har- Harper and seeing what might happen to him. And uh, Bryce Harper this week is blessed. Did anyone hear how much money he's getting for the next 13 years? $330 million dollars. Like, what do you do with that? Like, he's on that, like, buy an island show, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, I'm going to get an island with mine. Anyway. And I just wonder, when, when you consider, you know, blessed, and maybe you've had a hashtag blessed moment, you know, what is your picture? What comes to your mind? Uh, for, for you, is it that I'm driving a certain car or living in a certain house or neighborhood? For you, is it just about the kids? You know, I know there's some parents here. If the kids are happy and healthy, that's hashtag blessed, right? Um, For you, is it a moment in time? A moment in time. I I know for me, uh, there have been some moments in time. Uh, For example, when our children were born, when I got married, when I got a call to serve in public ministry, I felt very blessed. But we're here to get God's perspective. And uh, we're in the second week called Crazy Like Us. And, and here's something about when God talks about blessed that, that I, I need to share. If, you, if you're taking notes, here's the first fill-in. That Jesus' picture of being blessed sounds crazy. In fact, as we get into his sermon, uh, today we're considering the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon recorded of Jesus. When we get into the Beatitudes, all the things he describes as being blessed, we're going to look at him and be like, actually, Jesus, I'm not sure right? Because in, in some circumstances, he, he pictures things that we might imagine are the opposite of being blessed, but we're crazy enough to believe him. And so today we're going to talk about being crazy blessed. And this whole series, um, the concept is that sometimes God calls us to do things that are not normal, that are not normal. In fact, in the same sermon, he gave us this passage. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. So basically, if all you do is go along with what is popular, what all your friends are doing, what everyone else is believing, you might not be on the right path. Right? So he goes on and he says, But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. When it comes to how we live, if if you're living the Christian lifestyle, you might at one point or another feel like this fish. Right? In fact, maybe that's God's intent for you that you'd go against the flow of what is popular, what is normal. 
And so last week, if you joined us, we talked about being crazy about our weakness because we said, even in weakness, God is doing something. And so I can boast that when I'm weak, he's going to be strong. And today now we look at blessing and and we're going to leave and we're going to say, that's blessed. That's kind of crazy. But we believe it because that's what Christ is calling us to. And we're even okay if they call us out of our mind as Christians. They called Paul out of his mind. Uh, Jesus' own family members, um, they saw what Jesus was about, what he was teaching and preaching, so they went to take charge of him, and they said he's out of his mind. So maybe we're in good company if when people look at us, they say, you know what, you're crazy. And we can say back, you want to be crazy like us, because we follow Jesus. So let's get into the word. The word again is the Sermon on the Mount. I had a chance to uh, go to the hill where Jesus preached this. Uh, just a, a quick uh, informational. This is the Church of the Beatitudes, uh, where they uh, commemorated where Jesus was when he spoke this word. It was kind of cool to see. Um, and it's some just phenomenal words, some powerful words. So I invite you to follow along with me. It's either in the worship folder or on the screen. You take your pick. We're going to read the whole thing. It says, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, (laughs) persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Is this kind of a crazy concept on what it is to be blessed? Isn't it? That's what we get to talk about today. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them, may you be richly blessed. May you be richly blessed. If I talk about delayed gratification, do you know what I'm talking about? Delayed gratification. It's the student who comes home and instead of, uh, you know, watching Netflix or FaceTiming, they do their homework. It's the investor who instead of spending all their money, they'll save a little here and a little there because they know a better day is coming. Delayed gratification, it's, it's something that can work. It comes from a psychiatrist in the 1970s named Walter Michel. And he, exp- he conducted this experiment where he brought kids in and he offered them a marshmallow. But he said, if you wait, and, and when I leave, if you wait till when I come back, you'll get two marshmallows. Now, at the time, they said the study revealed that those who waited actually did better uh, with their, their personality, uh, behavioral traits, um, did better even on SATs. I was learning from the all-wise Wikipedia who says that study's now in question, but anyway, um, the marshmallow test. In fact, I-, I thought it'd be good for us to consider, so, so I want you to watch this, a, a three-minute video just about reconducting the same marshmallow test. Here it is. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. 
When I come back, I'll give you another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. It smells really Up to you. you can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. She knows. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> the way that one guy did it reminded me of a Chubby Bunny, which is a different marshmallow test. Anyway, anyway. But we watched a big video. <laughs> Gross, thanks. We watched a video. Why? Because this is a spiritual experience. In fact, as we get back now to the word of God, I consider what Jesus said. Jesus said many things on how to be blessed, and, and, and the culmination of being blessed was never about now. In fact, when you look at it, it's always future tense. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will be shown mercy. They will inherit the earth. It's never about what's right in front of you. It's always about a someday. And so for us, who know the different marshmallows of temptation and the different marshmallows that stand before us that are against the things of God, a first takeaway when we consider being crazy blessed, that it has more to do with a then instead of a now. And this can be a helpful word if you're in a circumstance that isn't so good right now. 
Because God says there is a reward. I am coming back. I'll come back not with two marshmallows, but with something that's going to blow your mind. But in verse 12, he reminds us where the reward comes. He says, rejoice, be glad, because great is your reward in in heaven, not on earth. See, being crazy blessed has less to do with an earthly experience and more to do with an eternity. And that's how Jesus conducted himself, and this is what he teaches and preaches. And yet, we struggle, don't we? We struggle just as much as those kids with that marshmallow in front of us. And I think part of the reason, this is my conjecture, part of the reason we struggle is because we let our actions be dictated by our feelings. How good did it feel for those kids in that moment to have self-control? How good is it sometimes to to do the right thing when it doesn't feel so good? In fact, I I believe we, we live by this worldly principle. The worldly principle is that if it makes me feel good, it must be good. And if it makes me feel bad, it must be bad. Let's explore that just a little bit. Let's explore that just with food. When it comes to food, I can do something that makes me feel really good. Happens to do with a bag of Jewel cookies. They're fantastic. The chocolate chip cookies, I can eat at least six to eight. And I won't even get a stomachache. Thank you, Jesus, right? That can feel marvelous. The sugar high is amazing. And yet, even though it feels good, is it good? No. Whereas you take vegetables. Let's take broccoli. I I wish I was more mature, but I'm not. Whenever I eat broccoli, I have a physical reaction. My wife sees that my body will, like, shiver. It will. Do you ever ever eat something that just makes you shiver? Like, not in a good way? That's me on broccoli, right? And yet, would anyone agree that, that eating broccoli, even though it feels bad, is good for you? Well, yeah, we just know this from general nutritional standpoint. You don't have to be an expert, right? And so, when it comes to this life, if we're operating just by this principle, if it feels good, it must be good. If it makes me feel bad, it must be bad. We will not live the crazy, blessed life that God wants us to live. And we will not reap that crazy, blessed reward that God is talking about if we do not endure. And so we learn from the marshmallow test. In fact, look, look at just some of them. Let's, let's pick on verse 5. So, and, and you can pick on all of them. But, but blessed are the meek. Now, now, what is meek? Meek means to be humble. Meek means to say, you go first. Meek is this idea that I'm going to take your perspective. Meek says, um, I'll put myself down so you can be benefited. How good in the moment does it feel to be meek? Not much, Right? When I say you come first, your thoughts, your ideas, your decisions, meekness in this world, a submissive attitude that that God calls us to, serving him or serving others, it rarely ever feels good. But have you ever been benefited by the meek? Who comes to mind when you think of meekness? Do you have someone in your life? They're marvelous people, aren't they? Those meek ones the ones who don't make it about themselves, the ones who can lay themselves down so others will be benefited. That's a, that's a really good thing, but I need to tell you, to get there doesn't feel so good. And so here's, here's a spiritual principle that, that we need to fight for what is right regardless of how it makes you feel. We need to be commonly doing this, that, that regardless of, 
of whether it's a sunny day or it makes me, again, blue skied in, in, in my happiness, if this is the right thing and I've identified it through Scripture or otherwise, I'm going to fight for that, even though it might not feel so good. Now, friends, if the world was filled with more people who were willing to do this, would the world be a better place? Those who said, I'll be meek, I'll be mercy-giving, I'll be peace-filled, I'll do those things. I think so. I think it's easy to see we'd be blessed. And this is the crazy blessed lifestyle that Jesus is calling to you today and to me today. In fact, the, the Paul, Paul the Apostle, he said this. He said, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. That, when I imagine, feels so good. And I no longer live. That's how meek I am. I don't live for me, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This past week in our men's group, we heard of a story of a man who did a hard thing, but it was the right thing to do. This was a man who was abandoned by his father, left for England and never came back, didn't leave a note. Because his father left, um, he was subject to um, abuse. He was subject to not being provided for. And as a result, he hated his father. Years later, he um, found where his father was living in England, and he decided to write a letter. He, he says about this account, that getting to the end of the letter, he didn't know how he had the power to write these words, I forgive you. And yet he fought for it. He wrote those words. Now, as a result... A couple weeks later, he got a call from his father who had tears in his eyes. He said, I love you and I'm so sorry. They were reunited. And even in seeing his father again, uh, this man said he was filled with love that could only have come from Jesus. He fought for what was right, regardless of how hard it was, how it made him feel in the moment. So what about us? How good are we? at doing this. You know, at this moment, I, I just say that with Luther, I am a lost and condemned creature. In fact, uh, sometimes I wish the greatest reform would be, be for us who follow Christ. Be, because sometimes the Christians are the ones struggling with giving mercy and making peace and being meek. And here too I have fallen down. What about you? And so know where our hope is revived? It's revived in Jesus. He's the main attraction. He's the reason for hope. You talk about someone who knew how to make peace. You talk about someone who knew what it was to forgive. This is a man, this is a God who hungered so much for righteousness that he never gave in to sin. And yet what did it cost him? When you think of his earthly life, uh, and some of you know the story of Jesus, in, in what moment was he ever feeling like really, really good? I was trying to think, I was scrolling in my mind through scripture, like, so it wasn't his birth, we know how that went. It wasn't when they escaped to Egypt. His ministry, we only hear of like rejection and those who hated him, right? Um, I was thinking, well, maybe after the resurrection, maybe that felt good. But, but then he met Mary, who I guess held on to him too long, Met with the disciples who were still afraid or didn't get it? What part of Jesus' life was pleasure for himself? I don't know of much. But he experienced a then badness for a now goodness that we experience. He was willing to endure all of that 
so that you and I could know that when I say you are forgiven, he paid for it in full. You and I are forgiven for all the times we've eaten the marshmallow instead of delaying and saying, I'm going to fight for what is good. You and I are at peace because of a God who did then what we need now. And friends, I encourage you, regardless of your earthly consequences, he has secured for you a then that is so far beyond where we'll see him face to face, where it will feel like eating cookies and be as good as eating broccoli. This is the gospel that God has secured for us, eternal life. That's our sure and certain hope. Great is our reward through him. In fact, maybe you have some questions about Christianity or you're new to this place. I want to remind you, you have the right for peace with God because of what he did then and how it affects your now. But there's more we can learn from this account. And to go on, I, I want to talk a little about marriage. And don't worry, babe, it's, it's a good analogy. We're, we're good, I think, I hope. Don't want to get in trouble later. Um, I want to know how many of you have been married longer than five years? Uh, longer than ten. Okay, let, let's just go longer than ten because I've been married 13. What's really interesting, you can be married long enough that as seasons ebb and flow, what you experienced in one season they can later on experience in their own season. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? For example, um, I've had the privilege of public speaking for a while now, 10 years. And my wife is preschool director, and so now she has moments of public speaking. And, and sometimes I would describe to her, you know, this is what it's like. But I don't think she completely understands until she actually does it. For example, last time she was public speaking, I, I just was talking about her, how, how does it feel the night before? Okay, so now you know every Saturday how I'm feeling. <laughs> how does it feel during? Isn't that great? Get to represent Jesus? It's, it's beautiful to tell the, the greatest message. And how does it feel after? Yeah, that's what I'm like Sunday night <laughs> as the adrenaline fades. And, and I could use words and I could describe it and I could, I could tell her all these things, but until she actually does it, there's not this, oh, I get it now in the same way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's a stay-at-home mom, and have you ever flipped the script and you said, Dad, you're home, you're home today? Stay-at-home mom, and, and now Dad and, and, and Mom came back, and, and he's like, you do this every day? Like, we went to McDonald's and Pizza Hut, and you make meals? What? Wow. Right? Or maybe it's flipping the script. You know, someone came from, uh, you know, the home to, to primary breadwinner, you know, and so that's flipped, and, and so you flip that a little bit. Yep, that's how primary breadwinner feels. Okay. Right? I have a point to this. Let's get to a verse first. So hang with me, hang with me. Um, in one of our verses, it says that we will see God. It said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I think of how, how great it would be to see God. I think of all, all the people fascinated with Disney, and we're going on spring break to Florida soon, and, and you pay a lot of money to go see a guy named Mickey Mouse, right? How much would you pay to see God? If I set up a booth, and, and I paid even, a, you know, $1,000. I bet a lot of people would say, I would pay $1,000 to see God, right? But he says it's, it's not $1,000. The entry fee is purity of heart. And I want to expand that concept. Purity of heart is just doing the right thing in every circumstance. It's right living in every situation. That, that's my definition, purity of heart. And when we do this, when we strive to be pure in all these situations... I believe it's then that we understand our Savior, Jesus Christ. For here, 
Here's what it's like. When I have to forgive, and I go through this process of like, oh, but it hurt, and, and are you telling me I'm letting him off the hook, and oh, ha! Every time I do that, I remember, Jesus, this is, this is what it's like when you do it for me, isn't it? Jesus, this is what you go through. Or how about this? Every time I avoid the marshmallow, I don't give in to temptation. And Paul describes it as a burning. He's like, ah, I wanted to. Every time I don't do that, I'm linked to Jesus. And I'm like, really, Jesus, you did this every day, every second, every minute? Really, Jesus, you, you faced the devil head on and you didn't give in? Whoa. When it doesn't go well for me, even though I'm doing the right thing. When I had in good intention, but it has a bad result. When we're persecuted, when a friend yells at us for sharing the faith. When we're ostracized for inviting them to church, and now it's awkward afterwards. When, when that happens, we are linked to Jesus, and we remember people unfriended him. People betrayed him. People deserted him. And, and now we see, ah, that's what it felt like, Jesus. Because here's the thing, it's one thing for me to tell you he loves you. It's another thing when you have experiences that were like his, and he survived it to the nth degree for you to greater grasp his love, and, and that's our next point. When you finally experience what he experienced, you start to get a greater grasp of his love for you. No longer is the gospel just lip service and mere words. When he allows you to go through similar things that he endured for your sake, you say, oh my goodness, you really do love me. How wide and high and deep and long that you would do this, but so much more so that I could be yours. I get it now, Jesus. How great is your love. Now this might be a crazy perspective. I, I didn't say it's easy, did I? but we will be crazy blessed if it links us all the more to the Savior God who experienced this first for our sake. You know, the New Testament Christians, they had a crazy perspective. I'll never forget, um, there's a story when, uh, for sharing the faith, they were imprisoned and they were flogged. Now, if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ, you know that flogging is not an easy thing. And as they released him out of imprisonment and out of flogging, uh, their reaction was sort of crazy. It says in Acts 5.41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin after all of this and have to be threatened with death. And what did they do? They rejoiced. That's crazy. They rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. See, they knew it was crazy, blessed to be treated like Jesus. They knew that, yes, it didn't feel good in the moment, but, but great is their reward in heaven. And how great God looks at such a thing. But here again, our American culture does not help us. You know, I think, unfortunately, we crave comfort way too much. You know what it is to pursue comfort? That's not bad. Y you might put on something with an elastic band. That's always fun. You might have a, a couch or a sectional that it doesn't look good, but it's, it feels really comfy. You can fall asleep in it. You got one of them. And our world craves comfort. We, we crave not going through anything with, with such a ferocity that is not always helpful. In fact, me, it reminds me of an old illustration of, of how to boil a frog. H have you heard of how to boil a frog? You, you put a frog, I've never done this, by the way. Um, but, but if you want to, uh, 
I don't even recommend it. But anyway, uh, you put a frog in tepid water. You slowly turn up the temperature bit by bit by bit until the frog doesn't know and then it's dead, right? I wonder if in our culture, is this happening with our comfort? We pursue a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more. And that becomes our ultimate pursuit until finally, it's not that we're necessarily dead, but there's no fruit on the limbs of our tree. We're not serving. We're not challenged in the ways God calls us to be challenged. We're not pursuing the thing God calls us to be pursuing because we're sitting in that pot boiling to death. Beware of being too comfortable. What I think the word of God is challenging us to see is this, to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Get used to a situation that doesn't always feel good but is good, whether it be meekness or anything else. That's what God calls a crazy blessed lifestyle, willing to do whatever it would be to be like Jesus and to proclaim his name. But a final consideration. I am always struck by a parable Jesus told. It's a parable of a rich man who had everything and Lazarus who had nothing. Now, the rich man in our economy probably had a big house. He probably was driving a Maserati. He for sure had AirPods because they're cool. Um, He had everything you might imagine. And then Lazarus, who's known by God, he he doesn't have enough. In fact, dogs are his healthcare dogs, lick his wounds. And that's all we know of their whole life. Through Lazarus' whole life, all we know is dogs and not enough food. But then eternity comes. That greater then. And it's only at that moment that the rich man recognizes what crazy blessed is all about. Because in that moment, that rich man would go back and do it over. He would endure some things if he could be connected and have a different eternal state. And Abraham reminds him, actually, no, no, you can't go back. Uh, In this parable, it says, Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. You ate the marshmallow. While Lazarus received bad things, his was endurance. His was just hard. His was just grinding it out. And I need to tell you, even if your whole life you're just grinding it out, even if it's hard for you, it gets better. Because at the end, now he is comforted. But you are not. This is not necessarily saying it's bad when you have good things here. But it is saying that if right now you're in duress, that if right now you're down and out, that right now you're so down on your knees that you're clinging to God, you're not necessarily in a bad place. We need to remember that. And what crazy blessed is all about. Crazy blessed is more about a then than it is about a now. Crazy blessed is about fighting for what's right regardless of how it makes us feel. May you experience such a life. And may the Spirit who strengthens us give you the power to do, to do just that. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.